0: You're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. In our society, we tend to believe that feelings determine what we do and that it's hypocritical to act loving if you don't feel loving. Proverbs, however, tells us something different. Get ready to dive deep into the book of Proverbs as we continue exploring Wisdom for Life. So an interesting statistic that I learned recently is that from 2019 to 2021, the number of adults ages 18 to 44 who were seeking mental health assistance rose from 18.5% to 23.2%. That was over the course of just these couple of years, 15.6 million more Americans were seeking out a mental health professional. Now, that's probably not surprising to a lot of people, given what happened during those years. It was certainly a time of great turmoil with the pandemic and economic uncertainty. There were just so many stressors, I think, that were at play there. But the reason why that statistic matters to me is because I was one of them. It was actually right at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic that I realized I needed to seek out a counselor. There were a lot of stresses going on, obviously, in my life, both personally and professionally. One of the things that I noticed is that with all of the constant changes and demands and uncertainties is that I was becoming angry. And I didn't know why. You could blame it on all kinds of stuff. Maybe I was spending way too much time, you know, scrolling through Facebook or something like that. But the reality was is I was constantly upset. And I didn't understand where that was all coming from. It wasn't just enough to be like, wow, I'm stressed. And so I started to seek out a counselor. But something really interesting happened when I actually began to meet uh, with my my therapist and we really started to talk. You see, I I came in expecting to talk about my feelings, uh, to look inward in the hopes of getting some answers. But whenever we would meet, he would be asking me about my habits. He'd be asking me about what was going on in my life. What was I doing on a routine basis? When I was feeling angry, what did I default to in terms of ways of blowing off steam or calming down or gaining some perspective? It was really kind of surprising to me. And so I eventually asked him, I said, you know, I thought we were just going to talk about my feelings. And he's like, well, we'll get to those. But really what we're here is we're here to talk about your life. He said, look, your feelings are, are kind of like the warning lights on your dashboard. Okay, they let you know that there's a problem, but that's it. You really have to go a little bit deeper to see how your car is operating, to know what the problem actually is, and to be able to accurately address it. And this was so countercultural to, to what I'd heard. You know, we, we constantly live in this world where we're told that, we, that our feelings are, are the truest parts of ourselves and that really we have to look inward in those times of uncertainty to really understand who we are and to live more authentically. But what my counselor was telling me is he says that's, that's actually backward. Your feelings are nothing more than a warning light. You actually have to look at the rest of your life to know what's going on. And so he encouraged me to start picking up a, a practice that I, that I used to have and had kind of fallen away over the years. He wanted me to go back and actually journal. He said he wanted me to be more actively reflecting on what I would do on a day-to-day basis, what my habits and rhythms were. In those moments of stress, what did I default to? The reason I share this story is because what my counselor was hitting on is actually something that we find in the book of Proverbs when it comes to talking about what it means to truly be a wise person. Specifically, I want us to take a look for just a moment at Proverbs 27, 19. Now, here's how it's rendered in the English Standard Version. It says, as in water, water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Now, honestly, I stumbled over even reading that because it's kind of an awkward phrase, which is why I actually like how the NIV puts it. It's a, uh, it helps to really explain what I think the author was talking about. It's translated this way. It says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. See, what my counselor was saying is, we got to take an outside-in approach. We really want to know what's going on under the surface. We really want to understand what's at the core of your being. We have to look at your life if we're going to get a a, a true sense of who you are, what's going on, and and to help you actually grow as a person. This is part of the reason why over and over again throughout the book of Proverbs, the encouragement is to consider your ways and your paths. I love how the author of Proverbs puts it in Proverbs chapter 4.26. He writes, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. He says you have to examine your life. You really want to know who you are, what you're supposed to be doing. You really want to be a wise person. You have to be willing to go on a journey of self-reflection. I love how Pastor Tim Keller puts it when he talks about this image of a path. He says, life is likened to a path because every action takes you somewhere. That is, the act changes you, making it easier for you to do it again and again and again. Modern people think feelings determine what we do, and that it is hypocritical to act loving if they don't feel loving, but Proverbs, however, tells us that our actions shape our feelings. Contrary to our world, which says look inward and then move outward, what Proverbs tells us is what my counselor was telling me. You have to actually work outside in. And that often it's our failure to do that is what leads us into paths that ultimately aren't for our good. You see, each week in this series, we've been looking at these different characters who are introduced to us in those opening chapters of Proverbs. We've looked at Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly. Last week, we looked at the wise fatherly king. This week, I want us to look at the fourth person, which is the wicked man. Because what we find about the wicked is something that really helps us understand why examining one's life is so important. Here's what the author of Proverbs writes in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. See, the first thing that he notes about wicked people is that they actually are uh, people who are not self-reflective. We see that right there at the very end of the passage I just read. It says, The way of the wicked is deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. They're not examining their paths or their ways. What leads them into these paths of wickedness wickedness is actually the unexamined life. An unwillingness to actually do the deep work to consider what's in their hearts by taking an honest assessment of the lives that they lead. But he goes on and he and he highlights what it is that actually contributes to this. He says, they eat the bread of wickedness, they drink the wine of violence. I think that that language is intentional, this metaphor of eating and drinking. These are habitual things that we do every single day. We require food and drink to nourish us. It's almost, uh, you know, second nature to, to desire a meal and to sit down and eat it. And what he's saying, he's saying wicked people are constantly dining on things that they're developing habits that actually don't lead to life. This unexamined life, these negative habits are ultimately what twist their ways and lead them into these paths. And so his encouragement to his son, to the reader, is to say, don't go that way. Examine your life. Consider your ways. I actually love how he puts it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and following. He says this, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. One of the things that's so interesting to note is the progression that we find in this passage. He really highlights you've got to think more holistically about your life. The first thing he says is he says you have to pay attention to what you're hearing. He says, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. He then says, you also have to pay attention to to what you're saying. I I just love that he's talking about the tongue. He says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. He then moves on to talking about the eyes and says, let your gaze look directly forward. And then he hits that kind of key verse for this week, ponder the path of your feet. See, he's, he's basically saying you have to pay attention to your life and to your habits because those things aren't neutral. They influence and shape who you are. The habits that you cultivate, the things that you indulge in, are all having an effect on the very character and nature of your inmost being, and it's actually kind of this cycle where it's even hard to figure out the chicken from the egg. He says, on the one hand, how you go is going to determine your habits, and likewise, your habits are going to reinforce how you go. It's just this interesting paradox and cycle, but it's one that when we really stop and think about it, we see it as true in our lives. There's something at the core of us that leads us down certain paths, and it tends to get reinforced in things that we're consuming, seeing, watching, thinking about, talking about, so on and so forth, which is why a wise person is someone who's willing to seriously consider their habits in their life, who seriously looks at their ways. And so it's a a good moment of pause, I think, for us. What are your habits? What are the things that you're consuming? What's at the forefront of your mind? You really stop and think about it. Know that those things aren't neutral. Certain things are going to lead you in paths of life. Certain things are going to continue to eat away at you and undo you. That's why the author of Proverbs is encouraging his son to pay attention to these things because they are not neutral. They have this incredible power to shape us and to ultimately determine where we end up. Now that's great advice just in general. I mean, there are, con- there, there are countless books out there right now on forming healthy habits and the power that habit has for shaping our character, our outlook, our how we feel, the directions that we go, whether we succeed or fail in business and all of these things. Habits are important. But if this message was simply about habits, we could stop right here and say that's all you really need. Just pick good habits, get rid of bad ones, things that aren't shaping you very well and you're off to the races. But that isn't actually the ultimate point that the author of Proverbs is making. That's the beginning of the journey for a wise person is a willingness to honestly look at ourselves. But what we find when we do that is we realize that there is a lot more beneath the surface than maybe we initially thought. My counselor actually talked about it as our lives are kind of like an iceberg. We see certain things on the surface, whether it's our emotions or our relationships or our habits, but all of that is really built upon this foundation that is much larger below the surface. The author of Proverbs highlights that too. Here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 20. He says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I'm clean from my sin? See, what the author of Proverbs says, he says, now, it's important that you examine your life, but it's a hard road. Because the more and more we examine our lives, the more and more we start to get to the deeper things in our lives, our our deeper motives. And he says, and when we start to do that, we realize just how deep and dark those motives often can go that most of the time what we're reacting to and what we're living out of is the deep woundedness and brokenness of our lives. Past mistakes for which we still hold on to and the shame that those cause. Fears that we cling to that keep us from stepping out in faith and into the lives that God has for us. Hurts that that we hold on to and continue to hold against other people that lead us to become bitter and angry says, yeah, a wise man is going to, to be willing to go down into those depths, but what that wise man is ultimately going to find is just how deep the darkness actually goes. And I think that this is part of the reason why so many of us avoid actually doing the deep heart work because we're afraid of what we will find. We're scared of those depths, and that's part of the reason why so many of us live unexamined lives. Yes, it is good to go out and seek therapy and counseling. Believe me, it's been a massive blessing to me, but it can be challenging as well. It's a hard journey and a hard road to walk. And sometimes we become so afraid of of what we find there that we give up on the quest altogether because we become discouraged or hurt because the darkness seems too overwhelming or the pain seems too deep afraid of naming it, much less addressing it. And we wonder, is there anything that can actually change our hearts? Now, left to our own designs, the answer is no. And yet, one of the things that we find over and over and over again as we study the scriptures is that God knows the inmost parts of our being and yet doesn't shy away from us. In fact, I love how David says in the Psalms that God knit us together in our mother's womb. He understands the deepest parts of our heart. And yet, in love, he still calls us his own. He goes on the journey with us, even into the darkness, in order to ultimately lead us into paths of life and light. It's part of the reason why I take so much comfort in something that Jesus said to his disciples on the very night in which he was going to be betrayed. Knowing the darkness that he was about to step into for the sake of his people, he said this, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sometimes we hear that as an exclusive statement. Like, Jesus is basically saying, if you're not willing to, like, sign on with me, you're cut out. Like, he's trying to keep people away from God. But we forget that this statement was actually made in response to a dilemma, to a question that the disciples themselves were asking. They were telling Jesus, we actually don't know the way to go. We don't know the way to the Father. We don't know the path to life that you've been talking about. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's telling them is he's saying, you don't have to be uncertain anymore. You don't have to be afraid that you can actually know the way on this journey. That this journey of life and, and, and to ultimate life and, and eternity is one that you can know through me. That's the reason that I came. See, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's he's not simply saying that just follow me and you'll know exactly what to do. He's not giving us a manual on fixing our lives. What he's saying is he's saying, I've actually opened the way for you. That I'm actually showing you a, a kind of truth that doesn't condemn you, but a truth that truly sets you free. That the life that I came to win for you is life eternal, life abundantly. And so you don't have to be afraid to take this journey. It's his promise of companionship and and an assurance of hope that we have in him. And it allows us in those moments when we're afraid and we don't know uh, what to do with the darkest parts of ourselves to know that God knows and that he's there. And so we can go on this journey with him, knowing that Jesus came not to just show us the way, but to walk along with us in that journey. And so what, what, is it, what are those things in your life that you're afraid to look at? What are those dark parts of your life that you're holding on to and wondering if, if God could really accept you because of those things? When Jesus promises us, to, promises to show us the way and to walk with us into, it, we, we know that we can actually bring all those things to him. Over and over and over again, the Bible is clear. God knows the deepest parts of of who we are, and yet he still calls us beloved. He knows those parts that we would prefer to hide and to run from or to try and minimize or cover over, and yet never once does he shy away. Jesus comes to us to rescue us from those things and to help us walk in a new way of life. And in those moments when we, yes, inevitably will mess up and screw up, his forgiveness and his grace covers over it all. And so we don't have to be afraid of our past or our stories. We don't have to be afraid to examine those hard parts of our lives because in the hands of a loving God, those become lessons rather than judgments. They become places in which we can truly attend to the deepest parts of our lives and and know that those, too, are touched by God's love and his grace, that they don't have to define us, nor do they condemn us any longer. And so we can truly and courageously ponder our paths, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who steps into our darkness and brings light He's the one who steps into those deep places that we think are hopeless and brings hope. He's the one who steps into those past mistakes and reassures us of his forgiveness. And he's the one who invites us on this journey to become people who are not afraid to, exa- uh, to examine our lives, to ponder our paths, and to learn how to walk into the newness of life that he alone offers. So again, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we afraid of? What are we not willing to look at? Jesus says, let me walk into those places with you and show you a new way of living. That's the journey of wisdom. That's what he offers to us. And, with it, and it's with that in mind that I wanted to pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are the way, the truth, and the life that you and your love cover us over with your grace and your forgiveness, and you show us a a new way of living with you. And that in those moments when we've made mistakes, we can know that, that we are covered by your grace. And so, Lord, we don't have to be afraid. So help us, Lord, to ponder our paths, to walk in your ways, and to experience just how good the life that you offer to us truly is. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way, and we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.